You're listening to the Uncensored Direct Marketing Show. This show is designed for direct response marketers who want raw, unfiltered conversion tips and secrets to scale their offers profitably to reach their next million. I'm Maria Sparagas. I'm the founder of Direct Paynet and your host. Now let's dive in. Welcome everybody to another episode of Uncensored Direct Marketing. Today I have Johnson Lee, who is a former partner and CMO at Mike Chang Fitness, uh, amongst other projects. And Johnson, uh, I mean, you've pretty much uh, been in the space for over 10 years now and have really crushed it on YouTube, um, phone sales, just just about everything. So I'm really excited to, to get on, on this call with you today and discuss about your time at Mike Chang and your upcoming project, the Mirror Message Trading Program, uh, and also your, your boutique phone sales team. Uh, you got like some pretty exciting projects. So I'm excited to, to dive into all these projects and to explore some of your time at Mike Chang because I know a lot of people um, who have been in the space, at least for you know the last decade or so, um, have heard of Mike Chang and Six Pack Shortcuts um, and just all the exciting things that you guys did um, uh, especially on YouTube. Um, so if you can give me a little, a, a little summary of, I, I know there's a lot of history behind there, but tell me a little bit about what you were responsible for at Mike Chang. Gotcha. And first of all, thank you, Maria, for having me. It's awesome. And, uh, um, man, you know, with Mike Chang, um, I've actually known Mike since we were kids. I met him break dancing. We used to, we used to break dance and then we were actually competing when we were kids. And then I beat him in a break dancing battle. And that's how we started. And I was like, this dude's kind of muscular. And he was like, yo, this guy works out. So we started working out together. It was weird because we're the only Asian dudes that were working out at the time. Not a lot of guys were, you know, Asian guys were big. Right. Yeah. And that yeah. kind of led him to the six pack thing. But yeah, with six pack, um, me and Mike, we actually. Another Mike story is we started doing fitness sales together. We sold memberships at Bally Total Fitness. I don't know if you guys remember that. It's kind of old school, right? And then uh, um, we became the top salespeople in the country. So we were like, man, we're pretty good at this fitness thing. We weren't trainers, but we just convinced people to sign up. And then after a while, Mike went off to uh, do real estate and more training. And he became one of the top um, personal trainers at LA Fitness. And then from there, he went to make his YouTube channel with Dan Rose. And then... Um, that's how I kind of got started. Mike called me up. He was like, Hey, we're doing a, um, I think it was like a $300 coaching package. It was a low coaching package. He goes, Johnson, I know you're doing sales training. I'm at lifetime now. And I'm doing, um, uh, this thing where I travel around to help clubs recover that aren't profiting. I retrained their sales team. I hire new guys. And he was, I need you to come work with me. And I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, check out my YouTube channel. I'm like, wait a minute, you're recording videos on your phone. I'm not coming to work with you. You're not making any money, you know? So finally he gave me the speech. He was like, look, I'm never going to ask you to work with me again. This is your only chance. You know, you're going to be stuck, you know, doing whatever you're doing, or you could do something brand new online. Right. I'm not, I, I have no idea what online marketing was. Right. And then came down here and then uh, um, the coaching thing didn't do as well. The leads, the $300 leads. So I just started randomly calling our, uh, um, calling the customers we had. We had a couple hundred customers a day, just randomly started calling them. And I got about 12 to 14 sales a day for a couple of days on this $127 insane home fat loss program that we had on top of the six pack shortcuts. Yeah. So customers bought the six pack, and I would upsell them. And then we're like, whoa, you're selling 14 of those a day. And then that's how I got started at six pack. I started building up a phone team. We decided let's build a phone team, hire 10 guys, each person doing X amount of gross upselling and 
from there and then uh, um, going into scripting because our cell script on the phone works so well. We were like, why is might as well turn them into VSLs or commercials. Right. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea what a VSL or a commercial. I didn't even know how we we're driving leads at that. We just posted organic videos and there we go. Right. Yeah. And uh, from there, you know, started winning on VSL, started converting really well on uh, our ads. And then that's when I started taking the role of the CMO, where I started hiring copywriters, our content writers, our cold traffic writers, our email copywriters. And then also at the same time, building the phone team, then handling production. Once you get massive amount of copy, we needed the production side. We needed the editors, the shooters. And then also we were shooting the free content videos on YouTube. So that's how I got started. And from there, just managing pretty much every aspect of the marketing side, except for ads. That's where our CEO, yeah, he did mainly the ad running. That's awesome. Well, I mean, you know, I was involved with the team at, you know, at the beginning and, and the, the inception yeah. years. So I saw the, the tremendous growth. Um, you know, what impressed me the most was you guys just did everything. You were everywhere. It was just like every, I, I mean, obviously I was targeted at that point because I was on a lot of your pages, but just even the the types of YouTube ads that you guys were putting out, the types of content, the fact that you were giving a lot of free content. Um, I was speaking with, uh, you know, Mike Nadek, who was also a part of your team, a big part of your team. And uh, I was talking to him about my, you know, my business just recently, like, like a year or so ago. Um, and he told me something that, you know, that you guys used at Mike Chang. He said, give all of our content was available for free. Everything was available for free. The only thing that Mike Chang did was curate the experience, meaning if you wanted to pay, we would actually curate the program, but everything was available for free. And he's like, we weren't afraid to give anything for free because there was enough customers that wanted to buy the product and have a curated experience. I was like, man, even, you know, it's just, it's like just these, you guys were, I guess also, I don't know, there was probably something in the drinking water that you guys put in to have all these like super crazy, intelligent people all in one room working on one company. I was like, where was I when that happened? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, um, it was just, you know, th there was just so many things. And, and the reason that I think it was also, you know, quite avant-garde and legendary, it was because this is, you know, this is like, we're talking about 2010. You know, and, and although it's only 12 years later, I don't know, some people think 12 years is a lot or 12 years is a little, it really depends on, I guess, how old you are, but, yeah. um, you know, 12 years ago, people weren't doing what you guys were doing. They weren't, you know, innovating at, at the rate. And just as quickly as you guys were innovating, it was just new VSL, new ad, new this, new that. Now, I mean, the speed of things, I think, you know, you're in the industry, you know, yes. like people are constantly updating back then as you'd put a page up, it'd be up for like a year. It was like nobody yes. would test controls. Nobody would test anything. Um, you guys were really, uh, when I say you guys, I want to say like the whole team at Mike Chang. I know you had a big part, but there was also, you know, Dan Rose and Mike Chang yeah. and Mike Nadek and all these uh, different people um, that were involved. Uh, but you guys were just quick. You made changes. You tested things. And it was like, I think it just gave um, a lot of people kind of like the standard of what it is to 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 be successful online. And I think. I personally think you guys almost created a model yourself. Like it was just, it was that 
cool. So I, I, I'm singing your praise, but it was just, I, I'm so happy that I had, you know, the chance to be part of a slice of it and see all the stuff that you guys were doing and, you know, have regular calls with some people in the team and just hear about all this stuff. I would talk about payments, but then, you know, I would be privy to other stuff. It's like, cool. Oh my God, you're doing this. Look at this. Look at that. So, um, you know, it was, it was it, I'm sure it was very exciting, but the thing that I like a lot about your story is you know, you come from a sales background because a lot of people are like, oh, you know, when you finish school, you know, going into sales is kind of seen as a, eh, it's, it's, it's yeah, not like, really a Like a you don't job. know what you're doing. That's exactly. why you're doing that. Yeah. yeah. Just like it's teaching. True <laughs> yeah. I mean, sales and teaching are two areas. I find that a lot of people um, diminish. Like I like to teach. I know yes. that if I just spent my time teaching, obviously I wouldn't be, you know, as successful as I am on a financial standpoint, but I do love to teach people. And I, you know, I love educating and, and giving, but this is why I have the YouTube channel and why I interview interesting people like you. Um, it's because I like to give people information. I just want to share it and stuff like that, but, you know, education um, and stuff like that is just seen as not as important, but it is. And, you know, people like you who have, you know, uh, done so much in this space are now resulting into educating people because that's when you get to a certain level of success, you're like, Hey, I want to, you know, I want to give people back and, and, and show people this is the way to do stuff. So, uh, I'm so happy that, you know, and we're going to talk about it a little bit later about your, your new training program, but, um, you know, I'm sure, you know, it's probably like a big, you know, big goal of yours to kind of share the wealth and share the information. But sales is how I hear a lot of people start. And it's something that's diminished. And I think for young people, like when I was a kid, my first job was selling flowers, selling anything I could get my hands on. I was like, I'm going to try to sell it. I'm going to buy this for five bucks. I'll sell it for seven. I'm going to buy this for 20. I'll sell it for 40. So, um, you know, the fact that you were so successful at your sales job. Um, I think it just gave you all the steps necessary. So anybody's listening very young, if you can't find a job going to sales, I think. Going I to think sales. I tell my friends, like if they have young kids, just go straight into sales and then let them kind of from sales, they could kind of figure out what they really want to do too. Yeah. You know, and then um, when you were talking about six pack, how, you know, Mike Nadak played a part, Dan Rose played a part, you know, and it's so true because Dan Rose taught us how to organize everything. He's like the master. Well, he's setting up 300 campaign ad campaigns on YouTube. He's, you have that monster concentration. Right. Yeah. And then uh, um, an organization. And then Mike Chang made everybody really happy. He even he hand cooked meals for the employees. Nice. So we would have meals that he hand cooked. And so people would cry when, you know, we had to let people go at times and people would cry because they wanted to be there so much because of Mike at the time. Wow. And then what I did, I came and brought the sales in. So it, this is shocking. Um, we actually spoke with V shred, right. With their production and their copy. And then they're, they're asking us like what we did with the pay plans. How do we get our editors to drive harder? What most people don't know is I salsified. I don't know if that's a word. I made everyone's commission, everyone pretty much on commission. Even, you know, bone, even our video editors were on a sales plan. They had to hit certain goals to reach certain pay. Same thing with copywriters. You know, our email, our email director was on pure commission. Wow. If you've never heard of it, he wrote copy, everything. It's a um, Christian from Biotrust. Oh, nice. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Yeah, he's, yeah. he was at six bags. Yeah, just pure commission. 
So and how do you how do you attract? I mean, that's an interesting you know uh, way mm-hmm. of looking at things is commission based. But how do you attract people, especially at the on the early days? I don't know if you started like that, but you know how do you attract people to come work for you on a commission base only when you're not at the level of Mike Chang or, or V Shred when you're kind of a little bit smaller, but you know with good copy or editing or whatever you can get there. I think you really you yourself as the leader have to be really good at what you're doing. So I was confident in my copy and how we're going to run the email. So I would hire this person, pay him commission. I would have to make sure I'm literally outlining the copy and helping this person set it up for the first month or so to guarantee and show this person that this this commission pay plan works. Okay. You're going to get paid. So I think a lot of managers or leaders, they don't do that. They're like, here's your commission plan, go, you know, yeah. figure it out instead of just handholding them and make sure their first paychecks, you know, what, what you're saying is true, right? Like, hey, Maria, you're going to make this much money on this pay plan. If you don't hit that in a month or two, it's, I think it's my fault. You know, I have okay. to make sure you hit that. And after you do that for two months, now you're going to be able to grasp it. And then you're actually going to be able to make more money than what you originally had, you know? A set yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'm all for that because I did that when I was younger as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I always saw kind of the carrot at the end of the stick. It was like, well, if I keep going, I keep going, I'll, I'll get there. Uh, but you know, I do see some people who, who, who have a hard time with commission-based structures like myself personally. Uh, we have a similar story for me in the adult space when, you know, I had joined the team at Pornhub, it was a very similar kind of grassroots story. Yeah. You know, I had a friend, same thing. We were childhood friends and come work with us. And I was like, yeah, no, I don't know. And it was more like the excitement of being in the online world and trying something different and, and so forth. And I did take a pay cut and I did kind of work in not the best kind of glamorous conditions for a while uh, for the ultimate goal of learning the trade that I learned that I know now and, and, you know, understanding the space and so forth. So I think it's, it's definitely a viable, um, you know, business or, or option. Uh, and I think it, it will attract, in my personal opinion, it will attract the people that you actually want to work with. If somebody's afraid of a commission based only, I mean, obviously the commission base has to be at the end, uh, more substantial than, you know, yes. your, 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 your base salary, but it'll attract the people that you want in the end, in my opinion, because people who are not comfortable with performance based salary are usually people who are not performing. Yeah. And you know, and you, like you were saying at six pack, you saw, we were, we're writing like 40, 50 YouTube ads and they're not the short one minute ads. We're doing five, six minute ads sometimes plus split testing two or so VSL per offer per every three weeks. Right. So the people that are working there have, they have, they, they're, they're not normal in order to get this stuff done. So if they're taking a normal pay plan, taking the normal lunch, not that any of that's bad, you know, and leaving right on time or coming, you know, they're not going to be able to hit these, you know, we're not going to be able to hit these big numbers. We're always, we have one thing that we all agreed on. It was split test big. Like if you didn't win big, it didn't count. Yeah. You know, you have to have a 20% win. If you had a 10% split test win, which for most companies, they're already celebrating and popping bottles at a club, right? <laughs> it was a draw at a 10% because we bl- we would say, now that I can look back at it, we're kind of harsh, but we would say it's a computer error. 
we would say, you know, it could be a, it could be a computer error, a 10% skew. Right. And then, so yeah. if you hit 20, that's when you win. That's and that's how we based all our wins. You must hit 20%. And if your ideas, if you're coming up with a new lead, a new hook on your VSL and you're not, your idea isn't completely radically different. There's no point of testing it. We're not here to get a 1% boost. Yeah. We're here to get a 20, 15% boost. Cause I got to pay that guy his commission because he's going above and beyond and working, just writing massive, writing a VSL in three days. You know, we need to make sure he gets paid. And For sure. And, and 90% of companies, I would say even 95% of, of companies, whether it's direct response or whatever, um, there's so many still, there's, there's a lot of big needle movers that could still be you know, done versus people who are looking for that 1% bump. I'm like, you know, before you, you get to your 1% bump, make sure you've tested everything else. Like in the payment space, for example, it's like, if your approval ratio is under 90%, what are you doing wrong? You know what I mean? Like before we start looking at, you know, why you got that one timeout error, let's look at why you have 15% declines that are due to issuing bank or, or, you know, just random stuff, you know, whereas people, you know, people need to start focusing on those big jumps versus those little ones that can bog you down for like, whatever you're going to make, you know, uh, a small percentage of your, of your revenue, which is not even going to be worth your time. So I think you guys, the fact that you guys had, you know, I don't know, I don't know what to call it, like big minds. And the fact like, you know, kind of dreaming big um, it's, it's interesting that you all got together, but it does also lead to uh, you know, perhaps I guess a lot of alphas. I, you know, I've, I've met a lot of you guys and, you know, there was a lot of alpha type characters um, which, you know, is great on an innovation and business perspective and making money, but on a partnership level, I'm curious to know, um, you know, I know how things kind of went down, uh, in the end and there were some disagreements and people left and so forth. How do you, you know, based on that experience, how do you, how did you grow from that? What did you learn and how did you build, you know, the rest of your businesses in order to avoid these types of conflicts? So the, um, Man, it was tough because, yes, like you said, everybody was an alpha. Everybody was actually really good at what they're doing. We hit big numbers and we all had played a part. So we knew. But at the end of the day, we agreed when it came to stats. You know, we couldn't argue with stats. Right. And then and what I what I've learned from it is just don't get mad when your idea doesn't come through or I've written an entire one hour VSL before, which is like 40 some pages. and and Dan Rose, right? Our CEO, he would read it and say, this entire VSL is no good. Rewrite it. I mean, imagine writing for a week and a half. Yeah. Just start over. And and this is not a one-on-one meeting. This is the meeting with the entire marketing team. So it taught you to just, hey, don't take anything personal. Your ideas aren't always the best. Even though you're good at what you're doing, it's don't base it on ego and just, you know, think deep and dive deep and base and trust the stats. Okay. So, I mean, basically leave your ego at the door if you mm-hmm. want to be successful at a certain point, especially in the early years. Um, so it's interesting. So did you, did you find that, you know, obviously you have this viewpoint right now, but during the time that you guys were there, was it difficult to manage all the different personalities and you're saying stats were King, but was there ultimately yeah. one person that said, you know, if people were disagreeing was there like a, 
like you a know, flip like, a coin guy, like a C CEO or CEO that mm-hmm. made the final kind of decision. When when it came, originally when we started, it was Dan, right, the CEO, CEO, right, and then he said, "What if this ad he thinks is good, run it, you know, split test it, whatever, right, go produce it. If it's not, it's he had the final say." But after a while, when I was converting and my ads, we would split test. Whenever we had a new offer, we had three VSLs come out. You know, you see a lot of people, they just write one, right? Yeah. So we can't fail because there's a hundred employees. There is failure is not an option. You need to write three, four VSLs and one of them has to hit, right? So we would split test the top copywriter, myself, Dan would write his own and we might even contract one out. So there will be four different versions testing, but once you start winning, once I started winning and then my VSLs were the top ones, then there was no questioning. Then when it came to the marketing side, I made the final decisions on what creatives are made, what shouldn't, you know, and when it comes to the ad side, the operation, that's Dan. He made the okay. decisions there. Yeah. So it was, and it was tough because then under us was alphas too, right? <laughs> but you just got to be even more alpha. They might be alphas out there, but when they walked into six pack, they weren't alpha because if everybody was alpha, now you're a beta, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, the character, the characters there. uh, And I think, you know, the important lesson is, you know, because we get a lot, I work with a lot of different teams and sometimes I see, you know, like the, the conversations that I'm always in the background. Usually when people are discussing their finances, I'm like, okay, so let me know when all that's taken care of, you know? Um, And it's, 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 you know, I do see a lot of alphas together and I'm always very curious you know, how ultimately a decision's made when you got like two, two, three, you guys, I mean, we're a lot more than two or three. There was a, a nice size team there. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's sometimes hard when you have people who are, you know, obviously committed people like you and talented people kind of arguing with somebody who also is committed and talented and so forth. And, uh, you know, the, the thing that I love about your answer is it's numbers. That's it. You know, if you if you trust the data kind of thing and this is what the data is telling us uh, and you leave your ego at the door, then you're you're going to you know, you're going to be successful. There's one thing to it. So if um, beyond numbers, right, if you really believe in your idea, you take a chance. So I there's times where I had a lead that I wrote in front of a VSL and and then everybody voted. They're like, no, I don't think it's that good. I really believe this good. I just shoved it through. Hey, went to the video team, shoot this, set the talent, produce it. We're testing it and just go over, just step over your boss. But you got to be confident it's going to work because if it doesn't and everybody said, don't do it and you did it and you wasted 10 grand in production and all, you got to answer to. So you're, you're not going to, you're not, you're not going to get too many favors after that. That's for sure. If, if yeah. that happens. Yeah. So you really got to believe in yourself. If you believe you have some good, you know what, just do it. And I tell my guys that too. So people that are under me and I would tell them that I manage not under me. And I would tell them if you have a good idea and I don't think it's a good idea on it, let's say it's an email, send it. But Hey, if it hits, you get all the praise, but if you don't, you're in deep doo-doo. <laughs> there you go. Well, actionable yeah. results. I do. I have some kind of geeky questions of things that like just how yeah. things have changed over time. Uh, you know, you've 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 kind of crushed YouTube and done so much on YouTube. I'm just curious, like, do you find are you still using some of the same strategies that you were using back then? Has YouTube like not really changed in terms of how you produce and how you put up content and all that stuff? Or has it like radically changed since since you started? 
Personally, I haven't been posting high con- like content videos like weekly basis. I've been doing mainly just YouTube ads, writing VSLs. But but what's changed? And I'm not running the ads. But when it comes to writing the YouTube ads, pretty pretty similar formats. So we had you know we 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 would target the three sections in a in a YouTube ad. We would hit the impulse buyers, which are people. You know, like yourself, you love shoes. So if this new pairs of shoes come out, you see in the magazine, your heart instantly goes, I need to just get it. Once I, if I see it in the store, I'm probably going to get it. So that doesn't take a long message. So we would do the impulse buyer call to actions. And then we would explain the logic to justify your impulse. Cause you really just need to be told why, you know, the reason why you really wanted to shoes, you just need confirmation. So the logic confirmation and then going into testimonial and then the, um, the emotional side of it. So it's the same format, except now you'll see them being rearranged where you take the testimonial first and then explain the impulse later or just, yeah. So really similar, but at the end of the day, the most important part is your hook. And I think, and yeah, and that still applies still today. In fact, I've talked to um, ad agencies and they 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 don't realize that that hook, even though it's such common sense, they don't realize that hook is the most important part. And just the first sentence could change the way your whole ad convert just one word or one sentence. For sure. Yeah. And and I do have to comment that I'm not the only shoe fanatic in this conversation. As we can see, <laughs> you have a lovely display behind you. And we were we did connect on our mutual love of footwear. <laughs> <laughs> myself for the high heel then for you, the sneaker end, but yeah. um, still, I mean, it, it's, you know, sh- I'm a shoe freak, but that's not the, what the episode is about. But I do understand that, you know, when I'm presented a pair of shoes, it's like the image of me in those shoes or the image of like, how is this going to go down? I'm going to wear these shoes with this outfit. It's going to make me feel like this. Uh, you know, I have the special shoes that I use to go to special business meetings and meet people and stuff like that. So it's just an emotion. So if I see a pair of shoes of somebody who I can identify with that is doing something successful, that's what I want to do. I want to buy those shoes because, uh, you know, so it, it, human emotion obviously hasn't changed for, for since the beginning of time. But when you said the hook, you know, the hook is really important. I think, um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but because of TikTok, I feel like there's a bit more of an instant gratification. You got, you, you got like, I don't know, five seconds to say yes. something that's going to grab somebody's attention. So whatever time you spend on all the other parts of that video, if that first five words, six words doesn't grab somebody's attention, you're done. You're toast. Like they're they're yeah. They've already moved on. It, let's pretend I'm a single guy. I'm younger. I'm a single guy. I'm looking to pick up uh, this lovely lady there. I could, I could be the most educated, the kindest, the smartest, whatever, and done all this work to build myself up. It, if my exterior, you know, the first five seconds that she sees me, if I'm not well put, my hair is not done, maybe I won't get her to even learn about my insides. And that's the same with your ads. You have the best information in the world, but if you can't, if that first five seconds doesn't get them to understand, build a rapport, qualify them, show your, um, uh, show your, uh, whoever you are, you know, they're not going to go on. So that's why you got to spend most of your time on the hooks. If we had a, if I had a date, if I had five hours to write an ad, I would spend about three to four hours. Just, just keep cleaning up that first sentence, that first part. Wow. So like, you know, over 50% of your time is really just a hook. Yes. And I'm role-playing my hook. I don't just write them. I, you know, I started on, 
membership sales where I had to convince people to sign up. Right. And I I would take those closing pitches that I used and put them into hooks because those were the most emotional, jarring ones. I'll give you an example. I love role-playing. Right. And then, so for instance, a good one that I used for an ad for a lead that actually worked really well was, uh, um, Oh, so when I sold a membership to a, let's say a 60 year old and up, and I asked them to sign up and the guy tells me, no, you know, I got to think about it. I'm not really going to do this. Then I would give him the closing pitch. I would say, Hey, you know, Mr. Mr. Rick, you know, Richard. So when was the last time, can I ask you a weird question before you go? I, and I understand you don't need to sign up today, but um, when was the last time you seen an overweight 80 year old, just walking around freely happy, you know, this year? Me, I haven't. What about you? Oh, and I haven't either. What about overweight 70-year-old? I haven't. What about overweight 60-year-old? Maybe just one. I've seen one overweight 60-year-old just walking around. He's like, yeah. I was like, that's you. You're a unicorn. Did you know most men over 60 that are obese? When you know, if you really think about it, where are all the 90, 80, 70-year-olds that are overweight? They're gone. You know, so that's a good closing pitch. It helps them realize, but you're not being mean. So I took that hook and I put in our ads and our VSL leads and they will convert because it really makes this person think from the very beginning. Wow. I am very uh, interested in the fact that you said, you know, you spend so much time on your hook. How do you actually do you split test your hooks? So uh, um, what I'll do is I actually have a document that I'm saving all my ads on Instagram. So on Instagram, I mainly look at shoes. And then uh, beyond that, I look at everyone's ads. I'm constantly Googling every type of, you know, health niche from diabetes to vision loss, everything. I'm seeing ads, man, YouTube must think I have every disease in the book, right? So I've seen every ad and I would save them all. And the body copy doesn't really matter to me as much because it's content. I could think of that. I could Google it, right? But the hook is what I'm taking and I'll use those to convert over. So I'll save those. I also have a journal full of ideas for every niche. And uh, um, and what I'll do is some people don't have this benefit, but at Six Pack, I had a full sales team there. So I would grab the sales director and the top salesperson. And I'm like, hey guys, I have this new uh, green supplement, green uh uh, a greens powder uh, idea. What do you guys think? And this is a good, this one actually converted real well. I'm like, what do you think about onions? I saw a giant purple onions. What if I just tape it to my feet and then stick it right in front of the camera and say, Hey guys, well, you're probably wondering what are these onions doing on my feet? Well, that's how people used to detox back in the days, but unfortunately that doesn't work because you have to detox from within you know, and they all thought, yeah, my grandma used to put onions on her feet. Everybody said that. And people, I saw the reaction. They were like, yeah, I, I already know that that hook's going to work. It's going to get some attention. If it hits the sales guys who all they do is pitch, that hook's going to be a good one. So then I write from there and I'll jot these down. So I'll put notes. Yeah. But I think, I think you have a product right there, Johnson. I think that that book with all your notes and all the stuff that you've, you just package that up, sell that. That's, that sounds like a a tremendous amount of like interesting research and, and what works, but tell me a little bit about the mirror message training program. I mean, you know, obviously you're a YouTube expert and you know, everything there is about, there is to know about hooks and, and creating good content. So tell me a little bit about what your program does and, and who it's for. Okay. Well, it's mainly for uh, well copywriters who are looking to get into cold traffic, commercial ads, things of that sort. Right. 
a lot of copywriters I know they're writing for emails, warm traffic offers, and they're more of a fear based, like scare your customer to sign up kind of deal where, where YouTube, you have to stay positive. You can't offend people. You know, you might get a violation or so. Right. And then, so I decided to put a book together to teach people the difference and to learn how to not only create the hook, but the five steps, the proper placement in CTAs, um, how to put them in verbally. And I mean, how it all got started was just, I was getting booked for a ton of calls, you know, on how to, you know, teaching copywriters, how to write um, specifically for YouTube, how to generate these ideas. And it was just taking up all my time. And I was repeating myself over and over and over again. And I started taking notes and yeah, I decided to put it all together. So this way, if anyone that needs to write YouTube, they're not just burning their money. They could get this and have scripts, you know, understand oh, beyond that. Also teach sell psychology in there. I believe in order to write sell scripts, you have to understand what a YouTube ad does. It's not designed to sell you right there, you know, um, teach you to, there's, you know, normally there's like an eight point sales, you know, uh, process where you have to qualify, you have to do this, do this. And I kind of break that down and explain how you need to do all that in your ad also. Yeah. But as for copywriters and offer owners who have their own copywriters, this way you could give them the packet and it's all in video training. So this way they could visually see it, work along with it and generate their own ideas. Well, the interesting thing is also, I think, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you're, if you're training a, a cold calling sales team or customer service team, that's responsible for selling. If you break down the whole sales psychology, that's a really interesting tool for people mm -hmm. to actually hear, because a lot of times you don't realize all these things. It's like the psychological aspect of what you're selling and so forth. So it could also be, I think, used as a little bit of a training manual for Yes. because that's that's one thing that you're really good at like just like you know like you said at mike chang you were doing the uh phone sales team when you were in your earlier days it's it's uh, it's face-to-face -face selling uh for the gym so i mean so it seems like there's two components there's the whole kind of sales psychology and then there's how to build the ads and so forth so you're saying it's not, it's it's a little bit it seems like to me like you can't just really be a newbie it's it's somebody who's had some previous training in copywriting or, or kind of knows the space a little bit Yes, you can. You can be a newbie if you're new to it. I mean, I it's it's massive. So there's a lot of detail. So if you're new to it, you'll understand from because I'll break it down in logical order from sales process to how to write to brainstorm. So it's done for you in order. And uh, again, it's called the mirror message. And that's one of the, the mirror messages. Some I made up. You know, a lot of people do the avatar discovery. Let me find out my uh, um, my audience and. So the mirror message actually teaches you to think differently beyond just what the audience would tell you. So for instance, when it comes to fitness, if I was to ask one of my friends who's overweight and I'm like, let's say I go, Hey, Jim, why do you want to work out? He's going to tell me what his external layer is going to say. I want to be healthy because he's ashamed of what he's really feeling inside. Right? Like, man, I haven't been able to get on a date. You know, women never look at me. Men don't respect me. I haven't gotten a raise in 15 years at my job while these younger guys are. Those are the real reasons. Yeah. But most people, most most copywriters don't dig deep enough because they're afraid to offend the person. But it's those emotions that's hitting them. So that's why 
I call it the mirror message. It's what do you say when you look in the mirror and you're not happy with yourself or you need a change? What are those words that that person is saying? And you need to capture those real words, not the external ego layer where it's like, I just want to be healthy. Because the truth is they probably don't care about their health because they're going to live another 20, 30 years. But every second they look in the mirror, they're overweight. Okay. But I'm curious, why do you say that it's mainly for YouTube? What's different between, let's say, YouTube, Facebook, and the other platforms? Why would it not translate as well on the other platforms? It will translate. The hooks will translate to Facebook and so. But the um, main difference, well, the hook will translate. That you can learn for Facebook. It worked cross board. It worked for VSLs and things of that sort too. But in the program, it's going to teach you the difference you need in content. Now, the reason Facebook, you've heard Facebook ads don't convert on YouTube and some YouTube ads don't convert on Facebook yeah. because it's you got to remember why they're on that platform. So why do people go on YouTube? They're, people actually sit down, have a drink and a meal and watch a YouTube video, correct? Yeah. Prepare themselves because they're ready to learn. They're waiting for content. They're actually watching one video after another and after another. Where on Facebook, you're taking a break, you're taking a cigarette break, or you're in the restroom, or you're, you know, whatever you're doing, and you're scrolling. And that's why it's like a quick one minute ad. And yes, there is 40 minute VSLs that they run as an ad, but those but those are different. It's a different type of marketing. And, and you could apply the same, you know, hook ad ideas and all that. To me, those long VSLs that you've seen running as ads, they're pretty much a commercial with closure. Okay. So would you be able to say, or just curiosity, would you say that you take something you build for YouTube and you can find snippets that would work on Facebook so you don't have to kind of reinvent the wheel? Yes. So what we'll do is, um, what we used to do is we'll write these YouTube ads. We'll write them out in full length. I usually write around a five to six minute YouTube ad. And then I would cut down, mentally cut down a shorter version. The reason I want the longer version is because I don't want to do a reshoot in case I need some extra copy. It's going to cost money, get schedule and do all that. But if I just write out a long script, I'll have I have everything I need. I could always cut down, but you can't always add on, right? For sure. so, so for Facebook, we would we would do what we call the straightforward version where we cut down some of the content info, you know, what you should do instead and just shorten it up. And then, and then maybe make the hook a little bit different where you don't need to announce everything. Okay. Well, that's interesting. And I think, you know, just the psychology and the fact that you're creating, helping create the hooks and the whole program, it'll just relay on so many other platforms. Um, so in terms of the, 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 the program itself, is it just like a course based or are you doing any one-on-one kind of coaching with that too? Um, with, with the program, we are going to give a free one-on-one coaching, a brainstorm call. And, um, that comes with that. There's also bonuses. And one of the bonuses is going to be, uh, um, the ad hook collection. I thought that would be really cool too. Cause I have like, diabetes offers. I have your, you know, toe fungus to, you know, weight loss, whatever supplements, greens. And through the, through the years, I've been brainstorming all these ideas. I'm just going to plug them in. And I have a unique way of outlining the hook where it's just two to three senses. And you'll see that you're going to see them all broken down in the, in the program as a bonus. Yeah. Wow. Johnson, anything else you want to tell us? You've given us so much great information, but any last words or any last thoughts? One quick thing, one quick yes. thing. Speaking yes. of shoes, I used to tell all my sales guys and the copywriters, all my creative people this, I tell them, look in the mirror, 
And if you're not happy with how you're dressed, change because you just the way you're writing, the way you're speaking to people, it, it'll all change once you, you know, if your shoes are right, if your clothes is right, you know, if you look good, you'll write better, you'll sell better. I feel like it's very important. And if you're creative, you got to look creative and just do it. You know, you'll live it. And you got to pretend you're putting on body armor. You're going to war. You're going to work. And all right, this is my armor. I got it. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad that we had a chat. And uh, I know that there's you know so much information here that you shared. And I, and I loved hearing about your exciting journey. Thank you so much. And everybody listening, uh, don't forget to check out the show notes for all the references that Johnson made about his program and his sales team and so forth. And feel free to reach out to me uh, if you want to get in touch with Johnson. Thank you so much. Hope you found today's session valuable. If you have any questions for me or just want to connect, please feel free to visit my website, mariasparagis.com. That's M-A-R-I-A-S-P-A-R-A-G-I-S.com. I'd love to hear what you're working on. So drop me a line on any hot button issues your business is experiencing. And remember, don't worry about failure. You only have to be right once. 